I can see it now. Understand all the reasons how you thought was something could turn into nothing right before your eyes. You think everything's going fine till you find yourself in the middle of the fight. You'll see, you gon' see how things can change overnight. It's like all that love you had just wasn't enough. So I guess it turns up. What's up, good people? Thank you guys again for tuning in and returning to Change the Subject. I'm your host, BJ. Now, real quick, before we get into the introduction process, I want you guys to understand how big this moment is for me, right? Because I'm going to tell you all a quick story. I came back to podcasting a little bit over maybe three to four months ago, and I set some short and long-term goals. The short goals were pretty much to be a little bit more active, a little bit more social, and a little bit more collaborative with my peers. But then there were like four long-term goals and they kind of embodied the same characteristics, but these four people were people I set on a very, very high tier. I felt like I needed some more time. I had to build up my morale, had to work on some conversation, had to strengthen some skills. And I'm thinking to myself that maybe in a year, maybe two, I'll get to interact and have a conversation with these four people one of which is here on this episode right now so that should tell you that your accomplishments sometimes come to you way before you even can project them this is a huge moment this is a new milestone so this sets a new standard for me and this is pretty much what she does she set new standards all the time this is a spiritually and physically beautiful person that i really enjoy listening to we have today Stephanie from Better Life Choices New York and the I Said No podcast on Change the Subject today. How are you, Queen? I am so <laughs> good. That intro, though, that intro, like, how do I follow that? Oh, my goodness. I am, I'm, I'm simply marvelous, as my pops would say. Hey, hey, yes. hey. Shout out to Pops. Shout out to Pastor Calvin Haynes, to you and Pops to me. I am simply marvelous and so honored to be here, BJ. I reached out to you, as you said, when uh, I saw that you were looking for guests. And I said, I volunteer as tribute wow, to wow. be a part of your movement. I want to send a special hello to Avery because without her, I wouldn't have known who you are. And wow. Shout out to Sis. Shout out to Sis. Um, and she just put me on to who you are. And I've been addicted to your content content, your delivery, wow. um, hmm. just your intention ever since. So again, it's an honor for me to be here. Hello, everyone. This is Stephanie, the life architect, the builder, the customizer, the designer <laughs> of healthy, emotional lives. I am the host of the I Said No podcast. Say it with me. Hashtag what? ISM pod. I am the emotional health specialist and the head CEO of Better Life Choices of New hey, York. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, oh, you man. stay ready so you don't have to get ready, huh? Listen, I practice that in the shower. I practice it in the mirror. I feel like there is never going to be a time where I don't know how to introduce myself, the intentions that I have for my professional life, and the intentions that I have for you when I'm entering your life. So. Oh, man, that is awesome. That is awesome. But I am extremely grateful for this moment, for real, because, mm. like I said, I, I really felt like, in the beginning because me and Avery used to talk about you a lot and it goes as far back as to um not your mama's podcast and I'm yes. like I see these videos and she's always saying these very potent 
things that connect directly to me. And um, I was telling her, I'm like, I got to get with her on an episode one of these days. It may be a year or so from now. And Avery was that person like bullying me into <laughs> believing that it will happen sooner. And here it is. So yes. um, I love Avery and thank her for, you know, putting me on your radar. So, oh, wow. man, I, I feel love great. Avery, too. And I love that she's a purpose bully. Right? Cause yeah, if, if real you're talk. If you're going to be a bully, let's be a purpose bully, right? Let's be a right, happiness right. bully. Let's, <laughs> let's be a bully that has positive intentions. And she is definitely that. And I always tell her when I get on, not because it's not an if, it's a when. When, right, I, right. when I get all the way on, because I'm on now, when I turn up the volume on my own, um, I'm definitely having her on my team because there are so many things that I feel like she can do in, I can't even talk in just in every aspect. She's so talented. And one of her talents is connection. And absolutely. That's why absolutely. you and I are here today. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I have a, a pretty intricate conversation that I want to have. Okay. And I think you're going to really shine on this. So I'm going to uh, get into that in a second, but first we have to do what is called Q a and a. Now, that is questions, answers, and alternative. And it's just a small icebreaker. I just pick random questions that fit the guests to see what their answers just might be. And if you just so happen to get to a question you feel like you don't have an answer to, you can opt for an alternative. Okay. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Question number one is name five songs off the top of your head that will be on the soundtrack of your life. Ooh, that's a good one. Um... Probably No Doubts Don't Speak is Mm. one of them. That song for me just hits me in a special place. Um, She wrote that in the midst of the breakup with her bandmate and the video when she's singing in his face in pain and the lyrics that just match some of the pain I felt in a breakup before, that would be definitely on the soundtrack of my life. Um, Let me see. It's all about the Benjamins. You know, ah, ah, <laughs> nice, nice. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Bronx New Yorker. I'm a Harlem <laughs> New Yorker. I'm a Brawlem girl. That's the hybrid of Bronx and Harlem. Oh, and man. Listen, it's all about the Benjamins. That beat come on and I just feel so fabulous. So New York, so fly. <laughs> you know, that's what's up. It, it's definitely a turn up song. Um, you said five, right? Five. Mm-hmm. Five, five, five. Ah, probably Kirk Franklin's. Um, my life, my love, my all. Um, mm, okay. He okay. is that song. It just takes me to a place of worship when they are really serenading God and explaining to the Lord what He's done for right, them in right. their life and how He is their all. Um, my hands were made to worship you. Is how the song starts. Mm-hmm. So that would be in there somewhere. You know, a pastor's kid gotta have that gospel in there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, something with Aaliyah. I am a huge Aaliyah fan. Um, I can't just pick one because I was the type that had her posters on my wall and her calendar and all of that stuff. So anything from her catalog would be in my top five. And I gotta throw my queen B in there. <laughs> I gotta throw Beyonce up in there um i'm gonna it's a hybrid when she remade x factor from lauren hill okay okay i need x factor in some way in my life all right no matter who sings it i hear that i hear that shouts out to your sister hype because we had a, a a quick little debate on the validity of um lauren hill's album and um, to be honest, when I first actually received the project, I wasn't as mature 
and probably was very naive to what she was speaking on when I first took that album in. So naturally, it didn't move me as much as I'm sure it did for a lot of women in that um, era. So she kind of um, challenged me on some of my perspectives and I went back to listen to it and my respect for it changed. Mm, you had adult so, ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was and it was humbling. So shouts out to her because the funniest thing is when I went back to listen to the album, I listened to it on Spotify. And the irony of it is when you go to type her name in, it doesn't just say Lauren Hill. It says Mrs. Mm. So it was almost like put some respect on this. So I just (laughs) had to share that with hype. Like, okay, I get your point because. (laughs) Listen, they don't make albums like that anymore. That is a classic. And I do understand when people want to debate because it was just one. But Magnificence doesn't ask for duplicate duplication. Right. 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 It, it right. It can stand alone. It can stand alone. And that's what that album did. Right. And I really believe that that was the moment for me to awaken my senses to how um, passive a lot of times men are mm. to the things that women are saying, because it didn't even like connect to me that the X factor was like kind of like the no doubt record was for um, that was for Lauren, too, when she was talking to Wyclef. Like, yes. that's how it was. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really connect it all the way so um i just had that moment recently and of course um a respect level has been leveraged a little bit more so shouts out to your sis shouts out to hype big sis i love you right so number two is auditions are being held for the role of your mother in a biopic name your top three actresses you believe would be great for the role Oh my goodness, BJ, what are you doing to me with these questions? <laughs> I remember CEO Hayes being stuck around this part too, and I'm like, um, so am I. Wow, you have such great questions. There is no one who can be Carmen, the originator, none greater. However, right, right. if I had to choose someone, um, and this is not looks-based, this is just someone who can get in the role, I would choose Angela Bassett because I feel like she can adapt and play anybody. Okay. Um, I would like Meryl Streep. I know she's a white oh, woman. Oh, dope, dope, but dope. But Miss Meryl changes the game. And let me see someone else. Oh, mommy, don't kill me if you're listening. I want to do you justice. Um, I'm going to just leave it at those two. If no, if those two can't do it, then they ain't going to be a biopic. Oh, okay. Cool. I can respect that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, number three is whose unpopular opinions do you often agree with when the rest of the world doesn't? Wow. I, I'm never really at a loss for words and you leave me stumped. Okay. Um, <laughs> who, say it again. A- ask me one more time. Whose unpopular opinions do you often agree with when the rest of the world doesn't? Kanye West, probably. Mm. Yeah. Um, he, he, he is uh, painted with a brush of crazy. Absolutely. But he makes a lot of sense. If if we take the, the hype away, if we take the crazy painting brush away, if we go in between the words and the fanfare and remove the Kardashians, and if you get to the the intention behind his words, I do agree with him often when the world is trying to drag him. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see that too. I understand the dramatics of a lot of the expressions that he has because mm-hmm. he's still very much a creative. Yeah. So those blank spaces a lot of times are just those reactions to where he didn't really prepare for what he was being asked, Mm -hmm. but he was just excited to answer. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, that was that was what I've drawn. Um, I still have difficulties adapting, but 
the more I review some of the interviews and the different things that he does say, I think I'm coming around too. So, you know, I can see how you would pick him in particular. Okay. Num well, we on number four. Number four is Shaka Khan or Tina Marie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is blasphemy. <laughs> I'm gonna go Tina Marie. Oh, wow. You that see, is look, crazy. You, you judging me. You judging me, DJ. <laughs> you know what? Tina Marie holds a special place in my heart. My mother played her throughout my childhood. I have a special bond with her, Anita Baker, and a few other artists, such as Barbara Streisand and um, Luther Vandross. So it has to be Tina Marie just because she's a part of my Memories Museum. Oh, okay. Okay. I can get it. Number five is what are you most comfortable in? Tim's or sneakers? Tim's. Really? I'm a New Yorker. Like I can be in constructions all day long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Tan Tim's. Give me a pair of tan Tim's, and I'm a rock them all I probably should've... all year except for this weather here. Oh man, I should have known that answer. <laughs> okay. The last question is: What are all of the adjectives that would describe Stephanie Drunk? Holy moly. What are you doing to me, DJ? What are you doing to me? What are all of the adjectives that would describe Stephanie Trump? Mm. I need to ask my husband that question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me think. Um... Wow. Well, define. Can you define drunk for me? We're talking about like pissy or. Yeah, let's just go there. Since that was the first one you came with, let's go there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna just say she a mess. I I don't even know. I'm gonna just say she a mess. I haven't gotten pissy drunk in a very long time. Mm, What adjective? I get tipsy. I haven't been drunk where I like sat on the floor and embarrassed anybody in about ten years. Um, Oh, shouts out to you. Oh, is that not a thing? Well, I mean, it's definitely not a thing for me either, so I can totally understand where you're coming from. Okay, um, but I can give you some adjectives. I don't want to be, you know, insubordinate (laughs) here. Uh, Some good adjectives. I would say inconsiderate. Mm. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, too adventurous. I would say disingenuous. Wow. Yeah, I'm an idiot when I am drunk to the capacity of losing myself. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Wow. Mm -hmm. You need any more or you good? Oh, that was good. (laughs) Like, I'm stuck on the fact that this is the total opposite of the Stephanie that I'm sure everybody knows. (laughs) Everybody thinks they know. (laughs) Oh, true indeed. I stand corrected. (laughs) That's what's up. Well, you've completed QA&A. I survived. Oh, man. QA okay. and A is real, BJ. Wow. It's I need to beef it up. Some sometimes it's not as good as it has been these last couple of episodes. So I'm I'm gonna need that self doubt to stop talking because every episode <laughs> I heard you have been like killing them. <laughs> I appreciate it, but today we have a uh, an interesting conversation that is a little bit into some of my personal issues with people, and um, interesting enough. Within the last couple of months, I tend to be judged for the the welcoming or the openness of how I receive new people, right? Okay. And there's this point where I meet certain people and there's an instantaneous connection. 
and I honor it because I'm a person who doesn't come from a big family and the family that I do have, I have some struggles on certain sides that I still have to iron out. Um, I don't have a lot of childhood friends because I've always been this awkward kid, you know, the thinker, the reader, the person that does a little bit more than the average kid. So I've always been this awkward person. So I'm a really big person on energy mm-hmm. and energy is one of the greatest feelings in the world to me. So um, there are the the family and friends of old that will see you connect with these people. And there's a certain hint of sophisticated hatred you get when they see you connecting to somebody new. And they think that because we've come from a struggle Mm -hmm. together, that that means that our bond is intentional. Right. And it bothers me because um, I'm at a point where everything that I do now is of value. So don't minimize the people that I connect with. Don't minimize my goals. If you ever say, your little podcast to me, we're Mm. done. Mm. We're Mm -hmm. done because you're minimizing me. That's a piece of me. And these shows that I do are personal. These are traumatic instances and experiences that I take and use to help people. So don't minimize that for me, you know? And when I meet these genuine people such as yourself, like I value you, don't say your little friend, Stephanie, ever, you're done. Right. You know, But you have these issues with people who feel like traumatic instances or experiences validate the connections. So I want to talk about trauma bonding in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing about talking about this is just as I was having this experience, I had a run in with a cousin. Well, a cousin in good standing, because, of course, this is of that same family that I have the issues with. So she's just a cousin of good standing. And when I seen her, um, we seen each other in the grocery store and we kind of like caught up with each other right then and there. We find out that we're only five minutes away from each other. We've been in our pretty much in the same vicinity the whole time without seeing each other for almost 10 years. Wow. So the interesting part of the conversation was she's well aware of the hurts and the traumas that I've experienced with that family. Mm-hmm. And she's well aware of the wrongs that have yet to be made right. But still in all, she insisted upon me taking the first step to mend those fences. And the way that she did it, when I told her why I don't come around, she said to me, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst, as if to say, just show up and let God work it out. Yeah, That was manipulative to me. Absolutely. And it pissed me off. I you know, tell. it really pissed me off because here we are, we're speaking of people that come from the church these are actual leaders in the church ironically Mm -hmm. and here you are telling me that still in all with all of your wisdom and all of that discernment of the lord's word and his will that you have little old wretched bj still gotta make the first step right Hmm. so i wasn't hearing it and i'm just like caught between these instances where people feel like just because we've suffered together that validates our relationship. And here I am, I'm around some beautiful people. I have a beautiful inner circle that I value. I have a completely new family that I have to talk about because that that kind of brings about a certain level of grief for me. But just based off what you heard me say so far, what is going through your mind? Because I'm very curious as to what you have to say about it. 
the life coach in me is like downloading data <laughs> and compartmentalizing <laughs> things. And the church girl in me is doing the same thing. First of all, I, I hear your dismay. I hear your anger. I hear your childhood traumas. I hear it when you speak about it. Um, mm-hmm. From the last segment to this one, your tone is completely different. And okay. um, I understand. Your, your feelings are palpable. And let me say this. Let me validate your feelings. BJ, I understand. Uh, your feelings are valid. You have the right to feel what you feel. And she also has the right to feel what she feels. But you also have the right not to uh, fall victim to doing anything anyone feels you should be doing. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. So I... I want people listening to understand that most of us were bred in CEI, which is common enemy intimacy, right? Mm. We are so used to bonding with people based on our hatred, dislike, bullying, um, and issues with other people that we don't realize that that's in our families too, not just externally. Absolutely. So whether it's the Thanksgiving table or kitchen where the, all the aunties or uncles decided who was going to be the target, right? Who right. was going to be the sister who's not doing enough? Who was going to be the kids who weren't fly enough? Who were going to be the ones that we decided as a family, whether we were sober or drunk, that was going to be the target today? And that might change from holiday to holiday or family function to family function. But most of us were bred to believe that common enemy intimacy was um, something that should be tolerated, something that should be overlooked, and something that should be participated in. And what your cousin did was bring that common enemy intimacy mindset to you and try to get you to adapt to it. Does any of that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. And and what you did was set a boundary, a healthy boundary that said, that's not going to work for me. And what I need people to understand that are listening is you're allowed to set boundaries, even if they're walls at first, because there's a difference between walls and boundaries, right? Even if they're walls just to keep people out at first until you learn how to make that a healthy boundary where a boundary, a healthy boundary is not keeping people out. It's teaching people how to treat you. That's the difference between a wall and a boundary, right? Okay. okay. Some, sometimes the wall and the boundary mesh and merge and you have a little bit of both, but that's not by your choice. That's because people didn't respect the boundary in the first place. Are you following me? You you've actually hit a a powerful point of this issue for me because mm-hmm. I was experiencing a a double standard of grief because I was actually feeling bad when I kind of like delve into the possibilities of reconciliation. I realized that I'm not so much grieving from letting the bondage go from the trauma what I'm grieving from is the fact that I actually feel bad because I really want to be a part of the family, Mm. but I still can't just put these things to the side. Like you have those instances. There's so many instances. The main ones are uh, even coming from my mother's side of the family who kind of identify with these same patterns. And they're telling me like, well, you have to do this because eventually you're going to get married and they got to be at the wedding. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they, no don't. they don't. And we don't have to uh, 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 receive the haves and the shoulds from other people who are comfortable in toxicity, who right, are comfortable right. in common enemy intimacy, who are comfortable in being violated and being the violator. We don't have to adapt to their ways. Right, exactly. And I was always like challenged with that because here I am, I'm in a, the most fruitful relationship I've ever been in in my life and we talk about 
like marriage potentially. And that was a struggle too that I talked about on one of the episodes where I struggled with giving her my last name because I just questioned what she's going to be entered into. Yes, yes, yes. But she's only going to enter into, as you know, what you've created for her to enter into. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really challenged myself to be mindful that that's unfair to me and her, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So like I talk about these things and it seems like, it seems that people think that family trumps everything. Like just because we're family, it's like, oh, well, you're supposed to do whatever it takes to mend these fences and to be a part of the unit. And when Mm -hmm. I personalized the scripture, now just so happens my cousins say where two or three are gathered. I personalized the scripture and where it says in my name, mm-hmm. I place my last name there. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So say that out loud for me with your last name. Where two or three Jacksons mm-hmm. are gathered. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the midst. I am not in the midst. Mm-hmm. I am not in the midst. And like, how does I that am... make you feel not to be in the midst? Because you mentioned, I'm taking notes while you write. Mm-hmm. I mean, while you talk and you said, I feel guilty because I want to be a part of the family. My question is, do you want to be a part of the Jackson? Do you said Jackson, right? Yep, yep. Do you want to be of the Jackson family or do you want to be a part of a family? I can be honest and say a little bit of both. Okay. Okay. And because the reason, we have to get clear on that. Yeah. We have to get clear on that. And mm-hmm. and that that is important because mm-hmm. the reason I say this is okay, the relationship. Um I've inherited a family through Dion. And okay. I love each and every soul in that family and the way that they love me is scary right why is that scary it's scary because it feels like i'm burdened by that very tradition that brings me this grief is because you love them way too much it's almost like you love them more than your own people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they love me more than my own people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i feel guilty for what i've gained naturally through energy and kindred spirit and the power of prayer, the power mm-hmm. of agape, agape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've always heard that word, but never was able to use it. Mm-hmm. I know what this feels like to, to be absent just for one of the 50 events or the family gatherings that they have. Mm-hmm. And they're asking, where's Brandon? Right. I get text messages. Hey, what's going on? Where you been? How are you doing? Like, you know, Dion's dad, we have, spiritual conversations all the time you know i just want to make sure that you're spiritually okay son look at this son pay attention to this Mm -hmm. you know the uncles the cousins the babies like i had an issue with babies Mm. because um in my past experience i lost my daughter all of the kids are just drawn to me right you know and it's a new love that i appreciate so of course in those moments when people ask me But when are you going to reconnect with your own family? I feel guilty because in some instances I want to, but in other instances, I don't even miss them. And that's okay, BJ. We're allowed to have more than one feeling. We're allowed to feel more than one thing at one time. I want to go back a little bit, if you don't mind. May I? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So let's go. Let's define things for what they are, because I feel like people use terminologies loosely and they attach them to emotions and think that's what they are. So let's define guilt. Guilt is the fact of having committed a, spe- a specified or implied offense or a crime, a wrongdoing. Do you feel that you committed a crime against your family by separating yourself from the toxicity? 
No. So then we need to work on you changing what you say about how you feel about removing yourself. Does that resonate at all? Yes, it does. It does. It because does. you keep saying, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Well, you're, you're manifesting guilt and you're not guilty. Mm. And, and by the definition of the word, you don't even feel that. Right. Wow. So wow. we have to put another word there and putting another word there and repeating that phrase instead of having a guilt uh, based phrase will help you. And I don't know how much it'll help you, but it will help you change the narrative around the feeling. And eventually the feeling may change. Does that that does that help yeah, at all? That helps a lot. That helps OK, a lot. so that's your what your first homework assignment. We're going to change. We're going to change the definition of what you are describing your feeling as. And also. You mentioned uh, that you had a little bit of both. You said you feel a little bit guilty and not so guilty about not being around the Jackson family. Mm -hmm. Is it, is the, we're not going to call it guilt anymore. We're going to say the blank until you define it. Is the blank feeling that uh, the Jacksons are the people that you're comfortable with, so you believe you should feel guilty about, or you should feel blank about not being around them? I think what the the issue is, is that, Separate from the offenses, these are people that I do believe we share a love for each other, like separate mm -hmm. from the offenses. And I think that that ultimately is what makes me kind of caught in that guilt because it's like I still can't seem to subside the offenses, even though I, I believe to myself that um, I have forgiven the offenses because I don't even require the apology. Okay. But I still don't feel like the forgiveness warrants the reconciliation or the retention. Absolutely. Forgiveness has nothing to do with uh, being around people. Right. Forgiveness right. has nothing to do with going back to the way things were. Forgiveness just means that what the person did to you no longer controls you. Right. It no longer right. has a say so in how you operate. It, it no longer changes your behavior. It no longer makes you want to punch a hole through a wall, so forth and so on. Right. Um, but... Do you understand that love is not enough, BJ, in every relationship, not just romantic? In that case, no. I didn't I didn't realize it until you said it as it pertains to family. Yes, as it pertains to family and anyone that you love. I don't care if it's a pet, I don't care if it's a friend, if it's a lover, a husband, a wife, mother, father, sister, brother. Love Listen to me, audience. Love is not enough. Love is a foundation. Love is a foundation. So take a blueprint of a house or an apartment or any building. When you have an architect, i.e. me, the life architect, right? <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have the blueprint. You see the foundation and the bones of the house or the building, right? Mm -hmm. That's love. Now, no one can just live in the bones. No one can just live in the foundations. You'd freeze in the winter. You'd burn in the summer. Am I correct? Absolutely. Right. So then we have to build walls. That is trust, right? Then we have to have the walls break down into compartments. So the living room is intimacy, right? Mm. And, and, and the kitchen is respect, right? And then the bedroom is something else. And then the bathroom is something else. So you build. <laughs> this is why I say I build, customize, and design because I'm going to get into each place of that emotional house to make sure you're no longer emotionally homeless. And what people don't realize is they're emotionally homeless because they're resting on love alone, the bones of the structure of the foundation. And families wow, in particular, wow. families in particular think love and titles are enough, but I'm your mother. Absolutely. But absolutely. I'm your auntie. I helped raise you. I'm your son. You should just let these bones and this love be enough. But it's like, no, 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 no. I feel disrespected. The kitchen is not built. 
Wow. Do you wow. get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want you to look at it in that way. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I want you to start breaking down what you say about your feelings and breaking down what you need from these family members to lessen the guilt or minimize the guilt or make the guilt disappear. Because if you're not getting the trust you need, if you're not getting the respect you need, if you're not getting the intimacy you need, if you're not getting the communication you need, love is not going to do it for you. And you have every right to say, though I love you, it is not enough for me to continue, sustain, and participate in this relationship. Man, man, man. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm good. I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. <laughs> Take a moment. We all need a moment sometimes. Let's okay. Breathe. Let's breathe together. Oh, man. This is heavy stuff. It is. This um, is heavy stuff. So I just have a, a couple of questions just based on some of the things that you were saying. And, um, okay. When dealing with family trauma bonding, what are things that, well, let me go back because I want the listeners to know this is actually for you. If, in fact, you're going through anything similar to me in this particular instance, and we're going to allow um, your house to be, you know, refurnished and, you know, revitalized so that you can move forward forward and not be emotionally homeless, as Stephanie stated. Um, when dealing with family trauma bonding, what are things you can suggest a person do? to settle themselves in terms of their grief. Because in this case, a trauma bondage, sometimes love is the manipulator Absolutely. in the equation. So how do you navigate not being manipulated by even love when it comes to trauma bondage? Great question. First, sit in it. Whatever you're feeling about it, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling hurt, if you're feeling confused, whatever you feel about it, feel that thing. Mm -hmm. Feel it deeply and give yourself a time frame to feel it. Don't allow it to be a squatter in your emotional life. Don't allow it to, you know, uh, I always say visit and vacation in these emotional dark places, but don't buy land and property there. Right. It's a, it's all right to pack a bag for a weekend getaway in emotional destitute land. I'm hurting. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I'm angry, but don't, don't sign a lease. Like we're, we're not staying there forever. I, I think the first step is to actually acknowledge what you're feeling like we're doing, like we did the last few seconds and kind of define it and sort it out. Right. 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 Then you want to make sure that you communicate your needs. Most of us are feeling what we're feeling and our families really don't know. They That's have true. no clue. We're around with the army one at the Thanksgiving table because we annoyed. We don't like the cousin. We don't like the way the aunt talk. We want to post a meme about them. We want to throw subliminals. You know, we want to do everything but have effective communication. And I think it's detrimental to our health emotionally and mentally and physically because that stuff manifests also in the body mm -hmm. um, because we're holding everything in, BJ. We're not, we're not being direct because we're scared that someone's not going to receive what we have to give, not realizing that our communication is not about being agreed with. It's about release. Absolutely. Okay. So those are steps for yourself. And I know people are probably waiting for me to hear something, waiting, waiting to hear something that puts it on the other person. This is not about other people. This is about you being clear about your needs and making sure you take action on them. Absolutely. So if, I, if I'm not answering it in the way that, you know, anybody expected me to, I'm going to need you to get over it because it's not really about what anybody else thinks, needs, or does. It's really about what you do. Absolutely. Man, do, you want, man, man. do you want more steps or that's good? That's good because okay. I think the follow-up question is going to get a little bit deeper into what you're saying. 
Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, what would you call this issue where you find yourself detached from the family you were born into simply because of the connections to kindred spirits you've managed to create for yourself? Should there be a stain of guilt to no longer seek retention back into the family you were born in because the family you built yourself is more conducive to your peace and sanity? Oh, Jesus. Family to me is not DNA. Family to me, Facts. like you said, it's not DNA. Family is who loves you, who respects you, who honors you, who cherishes you, who, as you said, if you believe in prayer, who prays for you, who uplifts you, who champions you, who gives you uh, a safe place. And I don't mean safe place as in just agrees with you. I mean, I mean, corrects you with kindness. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, people who have this, uh, this, this definition that safe means I can just get away with anything. You're supposed to be ride or die. No true family, family who wants you to be the best version of yourself can give you constructive criticism that won't break you down. Right. Okay. So for me, there should not be guilt again, by the accurate definition of guilt, the fact of having committed a, spe a specified offense or crime, there should not be guilt attached to really finding people that speaks your soul speak you're born into a family because god had it that way that was not your choice that was his and whatever he sees fit i understand but it was written he also knew that you were going to find this other tribe mm, 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 mm. he also sent this other tribe for you to connect so if he knew if it was already written why is it a problem that i actually follow his command Wow. Right? Right, right, right. Okay. Why is it an issue that people love me and I love them back? Because I came out of the womb of your sister. It's an issue. I should love you the way I love Dion's aunt and you're my aunt and I don't love you that way. That's not my business. God wrote this. I'm just following his order. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> take, wow. take it in, BJ. Take wow. it in. Take it okay. in. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is powerful because, like, when we communicate that family is first, we have to make sure that we add context to Amen. what that means. Because family once came first for me before my own feelings and my own assurance of worthiness and my peace and all of these different things. So now it has to be established that what part of family do I put first? Like, do I put the toxic family first or do I put the people that keep me balanced, keep me sane, and keep me at peace. Like, we have mm -hmm. to establish what we're saying when we say family first. I completely agree. We have to flush out some statements. Family first, um, you know, nothing good comes until you do this. There's a lot of old adages and cliches that we've heard all of our lives that keep people in bondage. Mm -hmm. um, I think these statements need to be redefined and flushed out. I agree with you. I can't stand the term family first. Uh, the first time I went viral, BJ, do you know who XO Nicole is, formerly known as Nicole Bitchy? Yep, yep, yep. The first time I went viral was because I was a speaker on a panel and um, I was talking about toxic family and removing yourself from them. And I stated that family doesn't get special dispensation to mistreat you just because they're family. What you have to do is look at family like other people because they are humans. We can't put them on these pedestals that they won't ever hurt us, uh, cause us trauma or abandon us. And we have to govern ourselves accordingly. And I went viral and the majority of people were like, you know, I needed this so bad because I'm stuck in this family first. I was trained that it's family over everything. 
thing. And I said, family cannot be over your sanity. Family cannot be over your emotional health, financial health. Family cannot be over everything that is good in your life just because you share DNA. That is not acceptable. And I truly don't believe that that is God's will. Hmm. Okay. Man, you are just like kicking me straight in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kicking you with love. Oh, man. Love. Okay. So um, to kind of end this portion of the conversation, I'm going to ask one last question. And it kind of touches on the the redefinition of grief. There's a possibility that your family is going to believe you to be certain things because you have these newly found standards or boundaries in your life. So for a person that adopts this belief that you're sharing with us, what would you say would be the proper response if, in fact, your family, whether this is the toxic family or otherwise, if this family just so happens to view you as a traitor, what is the response to that? If traitor means that I am freeing myself from toxicity, from negativity, from all of the things that bind me, that keep me from being in healthy, productive, evolutionary relationships, then by all means, call me a traitor. We got to stop worrying about what people are calling us, BJ. You can call me you. what you want. It's what I answer to. Right. You can right. say what you want. I don't have to defend my character. I don't have a need to make sure that what comes out your mouth about me is the truth. I know who I am. I know the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm getting help to make sure those reasons are healthy reasons. And they're not just me actually mirroring the toxicity that I'm trying to run from. You see Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. I'm okay. If you want to call me a traitor, you want to act like I died, you right. That person that you took advantage for, you need yeah. to have a funeral for them because they're not here no more. They ain't here no more. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. You want to call me a traitor? I done traded. You're right. I done traded up for a better team. You're absolutely right. I'm a traitor. <laughs> you absolutely right. I traded up. That's it. I hear you. I hear mm -hmm. you. Man. Okay. <laughs> Man. I knew what I knew what I was doing when I came with this one, but oh, Stephanie, you are so sweet. Oh, can I man. say one more thing? I didn't yes, really get to touch on um, the Bible verse you mentioned for where two or three are gathered in His name. That is actually one of my favorite scriptures from Matthew. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's Matthew eighteen twenty. There right. you go, at Matthew eighteen twenty. And I wanted just to say that I agreed with you. I believe it's used as as a manipulative tool because many people don't understand because they don't read the word for themselves, right? right so they right. just go on what the pastor says, what the mother says, what the deacon says. And I believe not only just the family in your house, but the church family uses it as a manipulative tool, manipulative tool to keep you coming back because they have you thinking that if you pray alone, that God won't show up. But, right, if two, right. but if two or three will show up and only the two or three that are here in this building with the tithes and offering will show up, then God will bless you. And I want you to know that the context of that scripture and the time frame that that scripture was set in and when they used it was completely different from now. Most likely when that was said, Jesus was against all odds. Right. And he right. needed a crew and he needed a crew. Right, BJ. Mm, absolutely. So he needed backup. So he said, when two or three are gathered, you're not going to jump my boys. Right. This is probably a law he was facing. This is probably people who were non-believers and he needed to have some backup. So I encourage people to read the word for themselves if they are believers and understand that the context of if two or three are gathered has nothing to do with God saying that he will not show up if you are by yourself at his will. <laughs> man, man, 
All right. So we're going to lighten this up a little bit. I want to um, spiritually go into a completely different place with where two or three are gathered. And we kind of touched on rebuilding your house in a sense. And it was mm -hmm. perfect because I have an example that I want to direct towards the men. There's a particular place that men believe that they find themselves, which is in the bedroom. Right. Yep. OK. There is a theory that was shared with me a long, long time ago by one of my hood uncles, right? And um, he used to say this saying, and I never really understood it when he was saying it. He would always say that at some point in life, there comes a time where a man has to throw away his mattress, hmm. right? And I would always ask, like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he would always just say, when you know, you know, right? And mm -hmm. so... Interesting enough, when I was thinking of all of the different instances where two or three are gathered, instantly I thought about the places that men share themselves with women, which is the bedroom. There's okay. a possibility that what he was saying, or this is just an example of where my mind went, that there are spirits inside of the memory foam of that mattress. Mm -hmm. There are like despicable things that have taken place in this bed there has been memories that have been created that kind of scold you in a way because you realize that you've done this wrong and now you're using these instances to correct issues with new people okay. when the wrong needs to be corrected with that woman not necessarily with these women you keep adding or even multiplying in this space like is there a point where you just want a new surface to lay your head on. You want to establish a new, like a new defining moment in your house, in your emotional house where yeah. you just want a, a fresh start. So there is a point where a man should toss that mattress. Right. Yes. Is, does that make sense in a spiritual sense? Well, yes, because STE sexually transmitted emotions. Emotions, right? Yes, and they 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 tra they're transferable. That's why it's called transmitted, right? Just like right. ST, uh, STDs, diseases. So every woman that lays on that bed, every man that gets in between your magical thighs, they are transferable emotions that happen, right? And if you have a roster on that bed constantly, I do believe that energy is carried and locked into places. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. From your car to the couch you sit on. This is why many people who get serious um, that start to merge households, they say they want to buy something new together. Because yeah. I don't want to live in your old bachelor old pad. Right. I don't want to live in your bachelorette pad. I want us to now, whether it's an apartment, a house, a trailer, whatever it is, we want our own. Because the energy in there is real. Mm. Right. And most women I know, once once they get serious with a guy and they go to move in, it's like we're getting all new furniture, honey. And I'm talking down to the forks, the spoons, the knives. I don't want to eat ice cream off the spoon she ate it on. I don't want no washcloth. I don't want right, nothing. Right, right, right. I don't want to do my hair, soak my wig in the sink husband was soaking in. I just don't <laughs> want to have anything. So I believe that that statement, of, whew, that mattress statement is deep. I believe that that is very accurate. Because what you also have to realize, too, is the old you is imprinted in that memory phone. You better that mattress. Yes, you know sir. what I'm saying? Like, so mm -hmm. you do want to establish a different level of posture and mm -hmm. comfort for yourself. And like, I, th I just think about stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to always be 
like lingering amongst those traumatic experiences. So just changing the scenery, changing the way that you renovate yourself and your emotions definitely adds a different energy and light to your life. And I think that that is something that we can also benefit from because I think that people, when they, especially for me, like I believe that when you find that right person, they they deserve newness. Mm-hmm. You know, they deserve. Ooh, can you say that again? Yeah, they mm. deserve newness. Mm. Like they deserve everything new. Um, That's a word. Mm. They deserve for you to upgrade yourself. They deserve for you to upgrade the surroundings. Um, the protection that you provide should also be comfortable. Um, mm. There's so many different things that I believe that we have to pay attention to when we're gathering with these toxic people or these traumatic people. So I just wanted to throw that one out there, but I have one more. Okay. And this one is for the women. Um, it's that single friend in the married crew, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Two or three married women are gathered and they always got an opinion about what yeah. the single woman is going through, but they don't let her in emotionally to see the inner workings of what marriage is. Mm. Why are you around people who don't invite you into the the ideas or the conversations of marriage like why would you why would you position yourself amongst those type of people like what does a single person do to to level up their ideals for something that they strive to attain for themselves and then their inner circle is not giving them any type of foresight you get you just said something that hit me you said basically you said that's if they strive for marriage because not all single people want to be married right 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 um, right so so I'm glad that you said that so it's not a general statement um, mm-hmm. I, I like that question because I have single friends in my crew I have divorcees in my crew and I have I, I'm married and I have another married person in my crew so there are different layers here um, I also have separated people in my crew who are still married but you know not trying to figure out what they want to do right so right. I have layers in the crew and I will say this there are some conversations that I don't think that my single friends need to be a part of. But I do let them in, and they let me in as well on certain things. Uh, I do think that people have to understand that there are some things that only people in the situation can relate to. Okay. So okay. there are some things that I need to speak to a wife about. Absolutely. I get that. I get You see that. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So if you're excluding the single person altogether for everything, you're right. Why would you want to be around people who don't let you in and are vulnerable with you, whether you're in their situation or not? And on the other end, why are you calling someone friend that you don't feel comfortable letting in, whether they're single or not? Right. 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 You have to look at it from either perspective, but we also have to understand, as I said, that there are some things that only relatability can speak to. And though a girlfriend is someone who has a significant other, let me tell you something about this wife life, BJ. <laughs> they ain't nothing like it. Okay? <laughs> they ain't nothing like it. They ain't nothing like it. It's a whole different level. And even if you're cohabitating, uh, even if you want to call it shacking up, whatever you want to do, that's great too. But there is something about legally being responsible for another human being. Absolutely. That changes the game. So I I don't think it's healthy to be around people who exclude you just because you're not on their quote unquote level when it comes to relationships. But I do think we also have to be okay with understanding there are just certain things that relatability needs to speak to. And it doesn't mean that it's that you're not enough or that someone's deliberately making you the outcast. It's just that that's not for you. And we have to start being okay with that. Okay. I can respect that wholeheartedly. 
Um, but when we think about the church in regards to that example, is that a sense of classism when they separate the singles ministry from the the marriage ministry in a sense? Absolutely. To a degree, even in even in the context of girlfriends, it could be classism. Like I'm married and you're not, you know, it could be like, I'm looking down on you because you don't have a ring, you know, you don't have wedding pictures. Sure. Uh, but I don't think that at the singles ministry that they want old married people trying to tell them that they hoes. Do you get what I'm saying? I think, mm. 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 I don't, I don't, because there's this, listen, I'm, I call myself the old married lady and I try to stay uh, current with the single stuff, but there are some things for me that I'm just like, well, that's not what I'm doing. So why am I trying to be in the conversation? I hear that. Man. I can add value for when I was single, but I'm not. So I have to be okay with the lane that I'm currently in. And if the single ministry wants to invite me in, I think they should co-mingle. I don't think it should be segregated all the time. I do think there's a lot to learn, whether you want to be married or not, from married people. And there's a lot to learn from single people, whether you're married or not. So there should be some cohabitation happening with the groups, whether in or out of church. But I'm going to go back to it again. I don't want to make people who are not where I'm at feel like they're obligated to center themselves because a married person is in the room. Okay. Okay. That's just my opinion. Man, you killed this. you killed this conversation man oh man i got so much food for thought to nourish on man i'm so glad um so i guess what we'll say is the moral of this episode is that the group doesn't necessarily mean unison Mm -hmm. christian doesn't necessarily mean safe family doesn't necessarily mean forever or even blood how you interpret your ideals definitions and your feelings are solely up to you um, I've been helped with um the majority of the issues that I face with this uh, trauma bonding issue, and I I feel comfortable now to um to speak more on the issues with the people I have the issues with. I think that the perspective that you gave me is priceless, so I really really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you about this because this is technically what you get paid for so it is man man so (laughs) it is and that's just a little taste that's just absolutely it doesn't always have to be deep when you're having a coaching conversation with me it depends on your topic and your needs but you know for me i am a reality-based coach i'm not here for you to pay me for you to pretend i'm just not gonna do it i want to really be a guide and an open uh communicative space for you to help you get to where you need to be and if that means giving it to you raw and allowing you to see a different perspective and provoke your thoughts then so be it that's why she is who she is man uh (laughs) man she killed this so uh just take a few minutes to kind of promo for yourself tell them everything that you do and everything that you're a part of because i want people to reach you and connect with you for those needs such as mine that, you know, they don't have the guidance or the proper direction for. So just give them all your information. Will do. But wait, that's it. I don't have no more questions for me. This is, is that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we was going a little further. Oh man. 
it's fine. Um, again, my name is Stephanie, the Life Architect. My website is blcny.org. I am a certified professional life coach. I am a speaker. I am the host of the I Said No podcast. I am having a live recording in New York City. Hey. On, hey BJ going to be in the building. Hey. Yes. It's my one-year anniversary of the I Said No podcast as a former co-host of the Not Your Mama's podcast. It's my first year stepping out on my own and having my own event. Um, I'm a little nervous because, again, I always had a partner. Shout out to the limitless one, the goddess herself, Lauren. She was my partner on Not Your Mama's podcast. And we always did things together. And we always had sold out shows together. So I am working on my codependency issues and I'm stepping out on faith on my own. So if you would like to buy a ticket to the I Said No live recording and party in New York City, Brooklyn, New York, 831, August 31st, Saturday, August 31st, please click the link in every one of my social media bios. My handle is the same across all platforms. That's at BLC New York. That's at BLC N-E-W-Y-O-R-K. Click the link, hit your Eventbrite, get your coins together, and come party and celebrate with me. If you're looking for a life coach, you can hit me up. If you're looking for a speaker for your events, if you're looking for a podcast host and your podcast has substance, hit me up for a guest spot. I must have some substance there. Oh, honey. You got substance for days. For days. It's an honor. Oh, man. Shout out to me. Shit. (laughs) Shout out to you, BJ. Yes, big yourself up. You deserve it. Oh, man. I am so grateful for this conversation. I, um, I really couldn't have imagined that it would go this way, but it's perfect. And I believe that somebody is going to be helped. So, again, extreme thanks to you. If you guys just so happen to have any comments, questions, or anything that you would like to express on today's episode, you can definitely reach me at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. I do have a show page by the name of The Subject Change that could be found on Instagram. I have an email. You can send me an email at changedsubject at gmail.com. Let's further these conversations so people can get the help and the necessary renovations for their emotional homes that they need. This has been an an amazing episode of Change the Subject. I will see you guys again in two weeks. Peace and blessings. Oh, you killed this.